you are listening to Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. This is episode 201. And the title of the podcast is Comparing Authoritarian and Delegating Church Models. This is a regular recurring question in my life, and I thought, well, it's about time that I not only write about this, but I do a podcast too. If you want to read the show notes, then please go to episode 201, our Life Over Coffee podcast. I do this podcast once a week, and you can read the show notes. Virtually everything that I'm going to share with you is in these show notes. Now, maybe you have a question that you want to ask me, and if you do, then I want you to go to our website. We have a free community forum it is open to anybody in the world, and you can most certainly ask your question. Maybe it's not about church life. Maybe it's about something else. Well, please do that. Ask that question and let us serve you. Perhaps your church is not really fitting in within the authoritarian or delegating church model, but you do have a, pro a question about your local church. Well, one of the things you can do is go to the topical section of our website and look for church life. If you look for that topic, you will find, as of this podcast, you'll find 95 articles. I've been busy, 95 articles on all things church life. And you can scroll through those articles, and you can pick out the one that best suits or resonates with you, and you can read it, and then you, too, can follow up and ask your question on our website. It's free to you. It's, it's provided to you by those who are supporting this ministry financially. Now, maybe one of the ways that you can get at this question is you can or get at the topic of this podcast comparing authoritarian and delegating church models is that you can ask this question, what leadership style is your local church? Now, what I want to deal with in this podcast are two options. One is the authoritarian church model, where everything runs through the pastor, the lead person. And then another style is the delegating philosophy, where church members receive envisioning and equipping to lead in prominent areas. Now, here's what I want you to hear in this podcast, and I want you to stamp this in your mind. Neither model has to be wrong, only different. You could think of these two styles as preferences, like Coke and Pepsi. Which do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? If you ask me, or if you set Coke and Pepsi in front of me, I will, I will choose Coke virtually every time. But some folks prefer Pepsi over Coke, and neither one of them has to be wrong. And that's what I want you to hear. Now, I realize that you can push the authoritarian model or the delegating model to extremes, and when you do, it's horrible, and you'll have a horrible church experience. But please understand, I'm not talking about the horrible versions in this podcast. I'm talking about how both of them can be good, and it's a matter of preference. The worst version of the authoritarian pastor, you already know this, is the bully who abuses people. And if you want to read about that, I, I've written a lot about church abuse and leaders who abuse. 
In fact, I have an article that's linked here called Eight Signs of a Spirit of Spiritual Abuse. And you if you have that question in your mind about your local church, specifically a leader in your local church, then I want you to read this article, Eight Signs of Spiritual Abuse. And then if we can help you with, with more than this, this article, then let us know. Well, let's take the delegating pastor, a disappointing iteration of the delegating pastor, as you can probably intuit. It's the guy who is lazy. He's passive. He's not intentional about leading his flock. And so one of them is, is overbearing and in everybody's business and abusing people. And the other one is like apathetic and passive and doesn't care. And he wants everybody else to, to do the job. He's like the passive husband who leads everything to his wife. And so I'm not talking about the worst versions of these two styles, but the pros and then I'm going to say acceptable cons of them. And the reason I say acceptable cons is because no style is perfect. And so there are some things with any church model that you have to determine if you can live with it or not. Are they acceptable cons or do they cross the line and they're not acceptable? And if they're not acceptable, you probably need to find yourself another church. Now, for the record... I prefer the delegating church model. That's the type of church that I attend, a delegating model of ministry. Now, what you're going to find is that whatever model you prefer is probably the kind of person that you are. You see, authoritarian or delegating pastors, they operate according to their preferences. I mean, they, they're authoritative in the church. Well, they'll be authoritative in their families. If they are a parachurch ministry like I am, they will be authoritative in their parachurch ministries. And so the, the authoritarian pastor, the delegating pastor, they do operate accordingly. The pastor, given to ruling with an authoritative hand, he will tend to micromanage his wife and his children. The parachurch leader, will, the authoritarian parachurch leader will do the same thing. Now, the delegating individual, he, he's not like that. He will provide his wife and his children equipping and the opportunities and the space to make decisions and to fail. Uh, he, and they feel this. They don't, they don't feel micromanaged and they feel the freedom within the marriage or within the family. They know who the leader is and, and the wife submits to her husband. The children submit to the dad. But they don't feel that micromanagement because he is a delegator and he's growing them in their responsibilities like in their parenting. And so if you have an authoritarian pastor or a delegating pastor, you will see that iterate in their other spheres of influence, like their families or if they had some other type of ministry. This is episode 201, Comparing Authoritarian and Delegating Church Models, the Authoritarian Model. The upside to this model is that it's built to be small. And I mean that in a positive way. If you, don't, if you don't want to grow beyond the leader's ability to manage everything, you will like this model, and here's the upside, the close-knit community that it provides. I'm pretty sure that you've heard Christians talk about how they want small churches because they feel closer to everyone, like they know everybody. And even if you're in a large, and you'll hear this a lot of times in the large church, which I'll talk about in a moment, 
where that is a common complaint. The church is too big. I want a small church. People, and I get it. I, I want a small community of friends around me. Whether I'm in a large church or not is not important, but I do want that small church feel. And the way that you have that small church feel is you have a small group of friends who are closer to you than, than anyone else. But in an authoritarian model, it's built to be small. And that may be your preference because you like that. It gives you a close-knit community. Authoritarian pastors provide the small church for obvious reasons because they cannot. It goes beyond their ability to, to control things. His leadership style does not permit large numbers. You can only manage so much. And if the church is small enough, the people can receive marvelous care. They can enjoy deep friendships, and they have that place where they can get away from the world. These churches are good fits, especially for young families for, for reasons, for a couple of reasons. For example, the young families, these parents are, are busy building their lives, and they don't have discretionary time to commit in significant ways to the local church because they're so busy with their jobs, establishing their lives in the community, having babies and raising children. And when you've got two or three children under seven years of age, well, you know what that's like. It's frenetic. And so these young people, they make great greeters. They make wonderful child care workers in the nursery and children's ministry. Because greeting, it really doesn't require any mental energy. You don't have to plan for it. You don't have to devote any time thinking about it during the week. You just show up and you fill a spot. And, of course, child care that's where everybody is. That's where all these young families are. And so they, they do wonderfully well in children's ministry. Now, also, another upside to this is that these families run in similar circles. So they tell their friends about their wonderful church. And those folks come and you begin building a close, now I will also say a closed and isolated community. Because if you don't fit this criteria... If you are not a, a young person, a 30-year-old with young children, you will feel isolated. You can feel isolated in this community. And so they begin to tell their friends, and their friends come. And a lot of parents prefer this because they can insulate their children from the world. I mean, it's like a perfect environment. Maybe I should put quotation marks around perfect because you have your children under your apron strings in the home, and then you bring them to the church meeting where, again, you have an isolated or closed environment. And this environment does not have to be wrong. But there is a warning here. Long term, it could have adverse consequences on the children that they desire to protect now, I want to give you just a short list of a non-exhaustive list of some of the limitations of a authoritarian church model. Number one, it can create a culture of fear. 
because the members are not sure if they are breaking protocol. An authoritarian church model is very clear of how you do things because the authoritarian pastor makes that clear. And because it is a small church, it, it, it is a recipe for legalism, and legalism is a fear-based culture, and so people don't want to break protocol, and so you have that culture of fear. Number two, it can be hard to speak into the pastor's life because he is the controlling authority. He also makes it harder. It makes it harder to critique him because there's more emphasis on hierarchy. And I've heard this over and over again. The authoritarian structure and loyalty to the church and how we do things, the hierarchy, it's a big deal and it's hard to speak into the pastor's life. The authoritarian pastor lives more in a hierarchy worldview than a commonality worldview where everyone is equal, made in God's image. Number three, you'll have a hard time knowing the pastor casually because he creates more of a professional bubble that hinders true fellowship with him. There's always this invisible barrier, and when you meet with the pastor, it feels like you're meeting with the pastor, but not as a casual friend. Number four, the back door of the church will always be as wide as the front door. And what I mean by that is that you'll not have many tenured folks at the church because they experience a lack of care, and after a while, they leave. The new folks come, they like it. But after a while, they don't receive the care they need, so they leave. But again, authoritarian church is built to be small. And so as you invite people in and the church begins to grow, it can only grow so much. And eventually it it gets beyond the ability of the authoritarian pastor to meet the needs of the church. And those who have been there the longer amount of time begin to leave because they understand the drill. You're not going to be able to receive the care that you want. Number five, you won't be able to grow in your gifting due to a lack of folks available to equip you or the opportunities that you need to do more than the pragmatic roles of the church. When I'm talking about pragmatic roles, is these are roles that get results. They fill in spots, as I mentioned earlier, greeting, working in the children's ministry, doing general maintenance. Those are pragmatic roles that anybody can plug into a spot. But if you have a unique gift set and God has gifted you to do whatever it may be, you won't be able to grow in your gifting because that's not available for you in the small church environment where the pastor does most of those things if not all. Number six, you won't have many requirements placed on you. Now, this can be a bonus, especially if you're in the young children years and you're building your career. I talked about this earlier. That can be a positive, and it can be a positive because you're so blooming busy raising your family and an authoritarian church model Well, they're not asking you to do things that will require a lot of your time because, again, the pastor micromanages and does those types of things. And so this can be a bonus, the lack of requirements that are placed on you. Number seven, often the church is one of a kind, like young families or all homeschool families or all stay-at-home moms. And as I talked about earlier, the reason for this is kind connects to kind. And 
the authoritarian church model in a small church. You invite other people into your, into your church. You'll invite those who are like you. And when another homeschool family comes in, and you're a homeschool family, and then you invite another one, and you have a homeschool church, and that's how it works, and it doesn't grow beyond that because it's an authoritarian church model. Now, of course, the downside to this is that it's hard for folks in different seasons of life or with other preferences to fit in. You'll always feel like an outsider because you're not in that season of life or you do things differently, like your children go to public school or private school, and, and you just don't fit in, and it can be very hard also for the children. Number eight, the smallness of the church will make it hard for your children as they grow older. And it's important that we understand this point because our children today live in a pseudo-connected world. And I say pseudo because it is a sham. It's not real, but it's very real. It's pseudo-real. And they live in a pseudo-connected world of social media. And that has significant drawing power over them and if you're in a small church where you don't have connectivity with other kids that are your age, this pseudo-connected world of social media will only exacerbate. It'll only highlight what they are missing in real-life connections in your small church. And so a small church has problems that they have to wrestle with. If the problems are caused by authoritarianism, then I think that we really need to have that discussion. Now, there can be other reasons that a church is small, maybe where it's located, and, and this, is, this is what it is. It could be that the pastor has limited gifting and he's just not drawing folks to his church, and so there can be other reasons for small church. But what I want you to hear in this podcast is being small does not have to be a problem. It can be a wonderful thing. But it can be a problem, and there are negatives, there are cons that are attached to it, and you must have an, a, an open environment where you can talk about these things. In fact, you can test yourself to see if you have an authoritarian church model by having open dialogue about the various things that I'm bringing up in this podcast. Now, if you can't talk about these things uh, the unintended consequences or the intended negative consequences of this small church. If you can't talk about it, you probably have an authoritarian church model and you're rocking the boat and that will cause problems and then you will have some decisions that you will have to make. This is episode 201, comparing authoritarian and delegating church models. Do you prefer Coke or would you rather have Pepsi? I want to talk about the delegating church model. These churches can grow large because the pastor is not a micromanager. Now the downside is apparent. You can feel like you you can feel like you walked into a super department store. You walked into a, a Walmart. What do they? Uh, super Walmart is what they call them. You feel like you walked into a super Walmart at Christmas time. It's just overwhelming. I have walked into some of these, some of these large churches. I've been in quite a few of them in, in our experience, uh, whether here locally or places where I've, where I've uh, did conferences. And it feels, it can feel like a, we, we were in one wherever we were. 
recently. It was, I'm trying to think, it was in the, we were in Florida, and I think it was in the Fort Myers or uh, Pensacola, is in the Pensacola area. We walked into this church, and uh, Tristan, or one of my children, said, Dad, this is like walking into an airport. That thing was so huge. I'm not saying that negatively at all. I'm just telling you, it was so huge. And you can feel lost in the perceived chaos of it all. It wasn't chaotic at all. But my word, it was a big church with a huge auditorium. It had everything. That airport had everything but the airplane. And so in these large churches, you have to be intentional about building small inside the large church so your soul does not suffer. Now, here are a few things, a couple things that I want to mention about the, uh, the large church. And, and probably maybe the biggest negative is easy to hide in a large church. You can check the church attendance box, but always stay the same, never transform, never be intruded upon, never be pushed, probed. Paul, uh, Hebrew writer said, stir up one another. To loving good deeds, you can always stay away from the stirring stick in a large church. You can isolate from transformative soul care. And for some people, that's exactly what they want. I will give you a little side to that as well. Sometimes you can be so burnt out on church that you want a large church so you can hide on purpose. And I'm okay with you hiding in a, a large church if you are doing that for a season because sometimes you just need to sit and soak and experience the transformation of the preaching and the worship and, and somewhat of the interaction with other people, but you're not called upon to do much of anything because you're so burnt out from church from whatever your experience may have. I, I say that to you because that was my experience. I was so burnt out from church life several years ago, we went to one of these delegating church models, and someone came to me and said, hey, would you help me lead a small group? And I said, no, I'm going, I'm going, we're planning on being here for a, a year, the first year, rather, that the first year that we're here, I'm not going to do anything. Don't ask me to do anything. I just need time to process what has happened to me. And so there can be an upside for isolated in a large church, and it was the thing that I needed at that time. But the downside for isolating is obvious. You can hide. Now, many times the reason folks like these churches is because of the preacher. They attend these churches because of the preacher. We call it sometimes the celebrity preacher. And you can fact check this if you want to. All you have to do is just take a random sampling of church attendees at a large church. And you take about 40 of them and just ask them, why do you attend your large church? Or why do you attend your church? Say it that way. And most of them will say, I love the preaching. I love the preaching. And what you'll probably find when the preacher dies or, or goes away, that they may just fall out and go, someone, go somewhere else because they're not committed to the large church. And so these are significant downsides. You can hide, and, and you're really there just because the pre preacher is, is really good let me give you a few upsides of the delegating model. You may not know the lead pastor because the church is so big. 
but you can connect with a competent spiritual mentor who can shepherd you. You see, in the large delegating church, you have a large pastoral staff, and you might not meet with a lead guy, but they have enough people, enough leaders, enough competent leaders because they've been trained. And the delegating lead pastor will do that. And so you can connect with someone that can shepherd you. Number two, you can grow in your unique gifting. You have many areas where you can serve. You're not just filling a spot, but you're doing something that you love to do. You, you walk into the, the large church and they have a thousand opportunities, more than likely you're going to find something that, that really fits you rather than you uh, being placed in something that either you're really not good at or something that you truly do not enjoy, but you can grow in your unique gifting, whatever it may be. And that is a huge benefit in a larger church. Number three, your children have a greater opportunity with connecting with other God-loving kids. They will also have a greater opportunity to connect with devilish kids, too. Uh, but they will have community. If they desire community with God-centered uh, peers, they can do that in a, a large church, obviously. Number four, there is more diversity in the body, which provides a place for the homeschooler, the public school kid, and the private school kid. Uh, for example, they can all be in the same church, and you, you don't feel isolated or relegated to a, a bottom-shelf kind of teenager because you're not in the in crowd. There's a lot of in crowds in a larger church. Number five, folks you invite will find commonality with others in this body. And so when they come, they, there's not just one option of person that you have to connect with because this is the only kind of person that's in this church, but you will find many different people in this church, and you can be the connector that ties them over until they gravitate to their own community, whatever that community is. But because of the diversity, the amount of people in the church, there is diversity and they will gravitate to their own community, and you can be the connector to help that happen. Number six, the church can provide more flavor, for example, on Sunday morning. Whether it's multiple music teams or different teachers uh, teaching the Sunday sermon or various Sunday school classes, you'll have more flavor, and, and that's always wonderful because you can get so many different perspectives because there's so many different people with so many different gifting. This is episode 201 comparing authoritarian and delegating church models. I want to finish this podcast by a call to action, and I want to go back to something that I said before. Neither of these models has to be wrong. It's a matter of preference. Can you address the pros of your church model? Can you address the cons? Do you have an open forum to do that? Do you prefer Coke or Pepsi? I prefer Coke. As you think about the best fit for you, I have, I have three questions that I want to ask you, and, and hopefully this will be helpful as you get your mind around this idea of, of church preference, leadership style. Number one, can you have more than a pastoral relationship with your pastor? Now, what I don't want you to hear, I'm not saying that you should be best buddies with him. I would not place that burden. I would not place that expectation on any pastor because 
every pastor is just like you. You can only have so many friends, and if there are 150 of you in your small church, I'm not asking that, that he have 150 best friends, but can you have, is it possible to have more than a pastoral relationship with your pastor? If you could be his friend, would you be comfortable hanging with him as one of the guys? You remember the disciples of Jesus had that kind of relationship with their leader. The point here is that you want to build community, and the pastor is exhibit A of how to do that, and so he has to be a relatable person as Jesus was, rather than a professional pastor who micromanages and keeps his distance from his constituents. Number two, and this is even more pointed and personal, if you were to die, are you okay with your pastor being the spiritual leader of your spouse or children? Is your church the right church for your family if you were no longer part of their lives? When I think about the church that I attend, I think about if I were to drop dead, would I be comfortable knowing that my, my wife, in my case, and my, and my children, that they will be well taken care of into the future? Do you believe that about your church, your church leadership? They're providing that kind of comfortableness for you. Number three, is your church able to export themselves to the next generation? What I'm talking about here specifically, is your church so compelling to your children that they want to be there when they become adults? Now, that is a critical question. We have an exportable religion. We are called to export our religion to the next generation. We are called to go out and make disciples. The church, local church, should be exportable also. But if it's not exportable, if it's not compelling, if people can't wait to leave, well, then you might have a problem. Episode 201, Comparing Authoritarian and Delegating Church Models. If you'd like to talk about this podcast, Cast, come to our website and we would love to talk to you. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.